Welcome back to another episode of Across the Pylon. I'm your host, Brandon Pockers, joined as always by my co-host, Zach Maddock and Austin Kane. Boys, how are we doing on this uh, fine day? What's going on? I'm ready. Nine days away. What up? Just trying to get the football season. Preseason is finally done. Cuts are coming out. It's finally time for teams to start ramping up. And I cannot wait for the actual football season to start. And just as Maddox said, with the season fast approaching, the content here is going to be also ramped up. So stay tuned for more stuff on all our social media pages. Make sure to listen to us wherever you can find podcasts. And honestly, looking forward to a really fun season, providing lots of episodes, predictions, and other stuff as we'll get into as the season progresses. But not to waste any more time, it's time to jump right into the news. Yes, preseason week three happened. And for the most part, it was more of what more of what you would expect. I mean, some teams played starters like Kansas City Chiefs. They looked how you would really expect the Chiefs to look. Pat Mahomes looks like a top two, if not two, then top one quarterback in the league. Firing touchdown passes, no look passes, just looking like himself. Other teams played no starters. The the Jets specifically on offense, did not roll out really any other start, starting offensive line, receivers, running backs. Really interesting to see how multiple teams handled this last week. We could, we could talk all day about how the rookie quarterbacks looked. I mean, Wilson didn't play, but Mac Jones looked great, as we'll get into later at the episode. Something happened today, which solidified his starting spot. Fields looks great. Lance looks the same, and Really, that 49ers offense is going to be very interesting considering that Garoppolo and Lance were both rotating in with the first team with Lance providing some interesting quarterback run packages. And all of that was suddenly overtaken when a star running back went down in a game. The star running back is J.K. Dobbins, the second year running back out of Ohio State. He was projected to be one of the main forces on the Baltimore Ravens combined with Lamar Jackson and a little bit of Gus Edwards to really provide a three-pronged rushing attack that, frankly, not many teams, if any teams in the NFL, are good at stopping. And he ended up tearing his ACL. There may be more knee damage. Really not sure yet, but it's a crushing blow for a team that really establishes the run and uses the run as the basis for their entire offense. So with that fallout, I, I don't want to start with my opinion because I really want to hear what you guys think. Um, Austin, with Dobbins being out for the entire year and you obviously being the resident Steelers fan of the group, what what do you see as really the the – prediction for the Ravens going forward. Yeah, it just really sucks to see uh, a young stud like J.K. Dobbins. He's one of three young stud running backs that went out this year so far, Cam Akers, ETN, and now Dobbins. Uh, I think this is going to actually take not a – I don't want to say a huge toll on this Baltimore offense, but it's, it's going to hurt them a little bit because they are a team, like you said, that relies heavily on the run. 
Luckily, they do have Lamar Jackson at running back, so he knows what he's going to have to do with his legs. So that's like a running back right there. But that's going to make him throw the ball probably a little more than he probably hoped to. Uh, You got Gus Edwards in the backfield now. He's been there for a little bit. He's been a reliable guy. Um, Maybe going forward, a few available running backs right now, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. They've had talks with Gurley in the past. So we'll see if they bring him back in for another meeting. We'll see. But I'm definitely looking at them to sign someone else. I don't think they're going to rock with Gus Edwards. I think Justice Hill's the next guy. So we'll see what they what they do. I think they'll definitely bring in someone else, though. And we'll see how big this injury affects them going forward. I'm actually going to take a different stance here. I don't think the page – I don't think – Excuse me. I don't think the Ravens' offense is going to miss a beat without J.K. Dobbins. I think Gus Hill and just Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, excuse me, long day of college, um, are going to be that different. I think J.K. Dobbins brings a little more pass catching out of the backfield, but I think you've got two running backs that were both extremely talented and a great fullback in um, oh god, what's his name? Uh, Patrick Ricard, who's a fantastic blocker. You're looking at three guys in the backfield that can do a lot of damage themselves. J.K. Dobbins obviously is a blow, but I don't think the Ravens' offense is going to change at all. They don't want Lamar throwing anything more than probably 25 to 28 times a game. um, Hill and Edwards are going to get their carries, and you're just going to watch them do exactly what they did last year without missing a beat. Yeah, I'm going to lean more on the side of Maddox here. While losing Dobbins is – a huge blow for this offense and really eliminates something that receiving prowess. This isn't a type of injury where the Ravens are going to have to all of a sudden flip their offensive philosophy and have Lamar throw 40 times a game. Could he do that if called upon? I absolutely think he can. But the reality of the situation is he doesn't have to. Gus Edwards is one of the most underrated backs in the entire league. I mean, this is a guy that easily turns out four yards a carry, head down, just insane runner of the football. And between Justice Hill and I think they have another backup, I don't exactly remember his name right now, that can really fill in for that receiving option out of the backfield. And then when you add in Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, who's expected back at some point, Rashad Bateman, who's going to be a bolster to the receiving core. This offense has the potential to be right where they expect it to be, even without Dobbins' contributions. So while it is a very significant blow, I am not lessening the impact on that. It is very, very bad that the Ravens lost Dobbins. I don't think it's going to be the crushing blow that a lot of people really thought at first when they saw Dobbins writhing on the ground in pain. So... That's really my standpoint from it. And the second biggest news, and it actually occurred today, this morning, Cam Newton was released by the New England Patriots. Now, everybody knew that there was a quarterback competition in New England, right? It was Mac Jones, the first-round pick of this year, versus Cam Newton, the former superstar quarterback who... Let's call a spade a spade here. He hasn't been the same since his multiple, sold, his multiple shoulder surgeries 
that really have left him a shell of his former self. While ever, while most beat writers in New England said that it was a back and forth battle, most gave the edge to Jones, and this release really solidified that. Do I think releasing Cam Newton was the quote unquote right move? Not exactly, but if you really think about it, by releasing Cam Newton, you're firmly entrenching Mac Jones as your starting quarterback. There isn't a cloud hanging over your rookie's head that's going to make him tight and play possibly worse. Because basically, if Newton was still on the roster as the backup, if Jones missed a beat or struggled like most rookie quarterbacks do, they'd be calling for Cam to come in and play. They Because New England fans are so accustomed to success that they just they want it now. They want it now. They're not used to that rookie quarterback that may take a little bit longer to develop. With the only guy being behind Jones being Brian Hoyer now, I think it makes a lot of sense why they've released Newton. Because one, we don't even know if Newton would take it good if he was the backup. And two, that distraction isn't there, and it's probably going to allow Jones to play much better than he would if Newton was still a quarterback there. And there's some other factors we'll get into post you guys give me your opinions, but that's what I want to hear now. What are your guys' thoughts on Newton's release? Are you guys leaning more towards what I said, that it's probably for the best that he got cut because it's a benefit to Jones? Or are you guys looking at at it from the other side where it's like, okay, Jones should be the quarterback, but you need that insurance behind him in case he isn't that guy. Personally, going into it, going into the season, I did think they were going to run like some dual quarterback thing, figure it out, throw Cam in on the goal line, let him use his running. I was shocked that he was released because for the sake of winning, I think you keep him on the roster and you use him in majority or in some games, like you start Jones and you use Cam at the goal line or something like that. And, but like you said, this is going to make Mac Jones more comfortable and let him develop a little better throughout the season. Uh, like you said, there's no one over his shoulder ready to take his spot. He's going to be loose in there, throw it around and he'll develop well. But yeah, like you said, with the Patriots, like, it may not be a winning season this year for him or something. They, they might not make the playoffs. We'll see. And, yeah, it's gonna, definitely going to help Mac Jones more without Cam there. Yeah, I think Cam not being there is going to be a good thing for Mac Jones. Honestly, if you watched last year, the Patriots' offense looked dull and boring with Cam Newton trying to do a lot of running and then using an arm that is no longer what it was. He looks a shadow of himself from the man who broke onto the scene in 2012 with the Panthers. And I just don't see Cam Newton as a capable starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. I think for Mac Jones' sake, he's now going to be throwing the ball a good amount. The Patriots like to run the ball. And I just believe in the fact that the Patriots are going to have a good season with Mac Jones behind them. I never wanted the Patriots to get Mac Jones in 15. I think he's going to be a special quarterback. And while he might not be the most talented quarterback out of this year's draft class, I think he's going to have the most productive rookie season out of any of the rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that's a great analysis there, Maddox. 
Newton really isn't himself. And I think anybody that watched the games last year really understands that the shoulder surgeries and the countless years of running the ball like that, like he did, and just breaking records, it really, really just – it took a toll on him. And if you remember, especially when he was in his prime, Newton would take hits that – most other quarterbacks we get penalized for, but because he had that running prowess and was running the ball most of the time, he wasn't, he didn't get those penalties and it left him more open to taking more hits. And I think if he played a little bit more conservative, not really slashing his running ability, but really took a little less hits and got out of bounds a little more and just didn't let it add up. I think his shoulder would be fine. He'd still be a productive starting quarterback in this league, but back to Jones, I wasn't exactly the biggest fan of him at that spot, but he landed in probably the best position for a guy like that. I mean, McDaniels has been known to adjust and create an offense that is beneficial for a quarterback. I mean, him and Brady worked in tandem for years. Now, while I did, I do think that that offense was more Brady's creation Other quarterbacks have had success, specifically Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. So I think Jones could be the most productive, but like any rookie quarterback, he's going to go through growing pains. And I think it's going to be more important to see what year two looks like for Jones as opposed to year one, because that stepping stone year after your rookie year is going to be so important for every guy, whether it's Lawrence, Wilson, or Jones. And I feel like once we see that, once we see the first real action and how he learns from that, then I think we'll have a better idea of saying, oh, he's going to be really good or, oh, he's just he's just another average quarterback. But Cam Newton being released, shocker, because I still think he's backup quarterback material. Well, you guys don't agree that he can be a starter. I don't think the same way either. I think he still can be a productive backup that can step in when needed. The question is now, where does Cam Newton go? And Maddox, I'm going to throw it to you first this time. Where do you want to see Cam Newton suit up this year? And does the off the field stuff that has been reported about him, specifically regarding him being out for five days of practice and his availability not exactly being... Uh, to put it in the best way possible, his availability not being available, is that going to put a damper on a team that may want to sign him? I truly don't know. I think Cam Newton's done. I don't think there's anywhere in the spot of right now, barring injuries, that needs Cam Newton to sign up for their team because he's going to cost too much that other backups like Brian Hoyer is probably making one eighth of what Cam Newton was getting paid to back up this year. Most back quarterbacks aren't going to be taking money like Cam Newton. And if Marcus Mariota can barely get a job, I don't think Cam Newton's going to find a spot anywhere barring injuries because at the moment, no one needs a running quarterback who can't throw to fit their system. I think with all the stuff that happens um, off the field, is just another issue. 
I really just don't see Cam Newton ending up anywhere unless a team, unless a team like the Broncos loses both Bridgewater and Lock in a two-game stretch. Yeah, hopping onto that, I think Cam's arm is just depleted. If you watch him throw the ball last season, he just looks like he just throws it into the ground, and it's kind of ugly to watch. But uh, moving forward for him, I just think. He is going to be a backup guy. I think he's just done being a starter in the NFL. And some teams, off the top of my head, I mean, I guess you could see him go. You could see him go to Indy because who knows with Carson Wentz, but who also knows if he'll even fit their scheme at all. Uh, he could back up Lamar because he can hop right into that. And someone else, I was thinking, I was thinking Dallas, Dak. He's coming. I mean, we don't know what's happening with Dak right now. We don't know if he's going to be fully back or what. He has a game next week. So, I mean, I'm assuming he's playing in that and he'll hopefully be 100%. But if not, bringing in a guy like Cam would not be a terrible idea. So, take into consideration that I don't think it's Newton's arm. I think it's it's his shoulder because just yeah. from seeing his mechanics, his, his shoulder just looks like – I wouldn't say limp, but doesn't look as strong. He's just a shell of his former self when he was ripping the ball in the upper echelons of the entire league. Now it looks like, like you said, Austin, sometimes he can't get the ball there. I think a team, I think the perfect team is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, currently their backup was Ben DiNucci, and he just got waived. If Dak goes down, this team needs someone that's remotely serviceable. Someone that has NFL experience that can step in and command an offense. Does Cam Newton have the same talent level and ability that he had when he came into the league and just dominated off the rip? No, he doesn't. But what he does have is NFL experience and really the ability, while not at the upper echelon of when he played, he still has NFL level ability to step in for a few games. If Dak goes down with the current roster Dallas has at quarterback, they will have another season like they did last year. It is imperative that this team finds a backup quarterback. And the fact that they haven't done so already is honestly crazy. But this is the perfect situation and opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys to pick up a guy that can step in for Dak. God forbid his shoulder gets screwed up. So... I think that's the landing spot. It has to be the landing spot for Newton. I really don't see any other way he ends up in a different place. But that really wraps it up for the news of this week. Well, I mean, like I always say, stay tuned to that uh, next week's episode, our Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, because there's going to be a lot more news flying in over not just this week, but the coming week. So keep it locked and go to the podcast for that. Moving on to topic two, this is just really an extension of the other stuff we talked about over the past few weeks and the resolution of a lot of different position battles and cuts. We here on Across the Pylon have focused a lot on the quarterback positional battles. So with that being said, most of those positional battles have been firmly resolved. Some of the ones I have written down here, obviously didn't touch on all of them. Wanted to give a little bit of room for my co-host to talk. We know, we know the winners of 
the battles in Washington. We know the winners of the battles in Denver and New Orleans. Fitzpatrick, to no one's surprise, won the quarterback battle in Washington. Feel like he has a little bit more arm strength and can open up the offense a little bit more for the Washington football team. That That's still such a funny name to me. Denver. A bit of a shocker here, considering how the quarterbacks looked in the preseason. Teddy Bridgewater won the job. And I was firmly on the train of thinking Drew Locke was going to win the job because he has more arm strength. I feel like he could open up the offense more for weapons like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, guys that have a little bit more speed that can get past the defense. And he's a guy that can grip it and rip it. But I guess if you want the safe floor and you don't want the team to completely bottom out, and with a guy in Vic Fangio that possibly may be on the hot seat, went with the safer option. So really interesting to see how that worked out. And in New Orleans, really what we expected. Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback and Taysom Hill as well. Taysom Hill, he's not the starter, but you know he's going to play a lot. And he's kind of that wild card that no one's going to anticipate whatsoever in, in, in the offensive scheme. So really three interesting quarterback battles. Austin, I'm going to throw it to you. I know there's some other battles that have been resolved, but are the, is, do you want to touch on any of the previous ones? Or was there one that stuck out to you that is like, oh, I think that was the wrong decision? Or, oh, they made the complete right decision for this job? Uh, yeah, I'm going to join you on saying Denver – could have went the other way. I think you know what you're getting with Teddy Bridgewater. And you, you do kind of know what you're getting with Drew Locke. We've seen him for two years. But you don't know if there could be something there. Uh, he's getting a fully healthy team back this year. Uh, kind of they're gonna be they're gonna be better. They will be better than last year. And I think just to start, they could have thrown Drew Locke in there. And if he just sucks from the get-go give it to Teddy, let him take over. And, yeah, I think just having Drew Locke there would have helped their offense a little more, just better with growth. But that's just, it's not really anything too crazy seeing Teddy get into the starting job. And then one more I wanted to touch on was the 49ers, Trey Lance versus Jimmy G. I saw something that was like a comparison between uh, – it was Alex Smith and Kaepernick back in the day when – versus. Lance versus Garoppolo because Lance is like the dual threat guy versus the veteran guy. So that'll be interesting. But we saw Jimmy G and what the hell's their coach name? Shanahan say they had a pretty good idea on who's going to be. Jimmy G had a big grin on his face. So that'll be interesting. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting to look at the 49ers with that because I think they are going to have the most dangerous offense in the NFL, and it's going to be because of Trey Lance. Trey Lance is going to be a better Taysom Hill in the way that, yes, he's not lining up at tight end and running back, but if you watch the last preseason game, there was this concept that really stood out to me. I don't know if I had the exact name right, but I'm pretty sure it was called quarterback counter. Essentially, what he, what the 49ers were doing was Lance was sticking out the ball, basically an option play, and Raheem Mostert was flying across the edge. Lance, I don't know if it was a read or not, 
if it was a read, he had the option to either give give the ball to Moster as he's coming across the formation or pull the ball himself and take it up the middle. All in all, basically to sum it up, when Lance didn't pull the ball, Mostert was getting 10 yards easy. The one play Mostert got 10 yards, if Lance pulls that ball, he has about a 50-yard gain on a run. They ran that concept at least three separate times with Trey Sermon, Lance, and Mostert. They got a positive gain every single time. If Shanahan's able to mix in that scheme along with Garoppolo's play action throwing ability, like he was able to show on the Super Bowl run, he may be able to replicate the two quarterback scheme that Sean Payton has, Shanahan, that is, and elevate it to a level where teams may actually try to do it, which would be insane. And once Trey Lance has a bit of that seasoning, seeing how the NFL works in terms of run speed and all that, that offense is going to be absolutely electric. The 49ers are probably the one team I am most excited to watch this uh, this season on offense. Uh, real quick, Travis Fulgham was just waived. Aww. Which is kind of shocking seeing he broke out last season. So I mean, J.J. Arkell Whiteside just made the roster. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, Matic, with you speaking up, what do you think about the quarterback competition so far? All right. So let's start over in Denver, where I think the Broncos made the wrong decision. Drew Locke is the better choice because he can do more with an offense. Teddy Bridgewater is the safer pick. I feel like Cortland Sutton's value is now a little more lost because Teddy Bridgewater is not a long ball thrower. And now you've lost some of what makes him special. Jerry Judy's still going to be fantastic with whichever quarterback you gave him. But I feel like Drew Locke had higher upside. And I think Denver made the wrong call. And I could see Drew Locke in the lineup before week six. Very, very recently. Over in in New Orleans, there was no reason that James Winston shouldn't have been starting last year when when Sean Payton played Taysom Hill. But I feel like at that point, the Saints just – I think Sean Payton wanted to see if Taysom Hill could really cut it. They were basically playing R4 style, Air Force style football, running the ball every other play. I think Jameis should have been starting then. He's starting now. It was the obvious choice. It was the right choice. The Saints could be a very good football team this year if Jameis keeps the ball in his own team's hands and isn't going for another 30 for 30 season. And then finally, in San Francisco – I don't know. Jimmy G's safe. He got us team to a Super Bowl. Trey Lance, upside, could be the best quarterback in this draft. Could also be someone who had the highest upside and never actually gets a chance to break out. Or this is a, he's got something new. He's going to be good for two years, and then everyone's going to figure him out kind of situation. I don't know. I think going with Jimmy G to start is safe. It's the right choice in my mind. Are there going to be 49ers fans every three seconds calling for Trey Lance to start? Absolutely. But if San Francisco 49ers play like they should and uh, win the NFC West like they're supposed to do, then there's no reason for Trey Lance right now. 
Before we move on from the quarterback battles, I do want to say, uh, so Trevor Lawrence, he did win the Jacksonville job, but they gave up Minshew to the Birds for nothing. A six uh, yeah. pick. I feel like they definitely could have gotten more. I mean, we don't have to go too deep in this because it's nothing too crazy, but it's just kind of weird given Gardner up who's proven he can play in the NFL for a six-round pick. I think the Birds probably – I think they just stole him from them because what so, is it? Six-round pick could be magic, could be nothing. Um, first of all, because I'm an Eagles fan, obviously, I'm going to touch this, but does anyone have any idea who now is going to be backing up Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville? Does anyone have a name for me? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure if he's still on the roster, it would be C.J. Beathard. <laughs> well, that's problem number one. That's, that's the problem if Trevor Lawrence now goes down. But I don't understand the trade. Either the Eagles have just said, we don't believe in either of our quarterbacks. Let's bring in a third guy right before the season starts, which would make no sense. Or they don't think Joe Flacco is going to be healthy enough, or maybe there's something else going on. Obviously, no one wants Nick Mullins as a third-string quarterback, but there was no reason to now have an expensive 36-year-old Joe Flacco, a young Jalen Hurts, and now Gardner Minshew on the roster. So unless someone's calling for Joe Flacco that we a trade just hasn't happened yet, this trade has made no sense for either organization. Nope. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the Gardner Minshew trade unless you want to have a – serviceable backup which i thought that was the whole point of bringing in joe flacco unless you want to cut flacco then i i don't understand why either team made that trade in jacksonville the the thing that gets me is you engineer this fall fake whatever you want to call it quarterback competition like you're in college when everyone and their mother knows trevor lawrence is starting trevor lawrence wins the job which Everyone knew it was going to happen. And then you trade the guy that you had competing for the quarterback spot for a six-round pick so C.J. Beathard can back him up. Mitchell showed that he can be a serviceable quarterback in the league. Could he, is he going to be a star? No, but he was fine. He'd be a completely fine backup. I just – I don't know. I, I frankly don't understand anything Jacksonville is doing. It, it, listen, did they make the right decision with Lawrence? Yeah, but it'd be immensely hard to screw that up considering he fell in their lap. I just, I don't understand how, yes, I understand that Urban Meyer and all these guys are first, Urban Meyer's first year as an NFL head coach. I don't care, frankly. I don't care. You can't be making these irrational decisions all the time and anonymous sources, whether they're real or not, there's already reports coming out that, Oh, players don't like how Urban Meyer is running the Jaguars. How is this happening before a game even starts? Like, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. It just doesn't. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre world. It's the NFL. It's what it is. Who knows what we're getting next? <laughs> yeah, and, and moving on from that. Important cuts. I, uh, I wrote down a few names just, just that jogged my memory, obviously, outside of the Cam Newton cut. Matt Skura from the uh, Miami Dolphins. That was some offensive line depth. Kind of surprised he got released, but he hasn't exactly performed the best. Benardrick McKinney, another guy that um, the Texans traded that is all of a sudden cut. 
Shaq Lawson was traded to the Jets a few days ago. So two guys that were traded by the Texans, both are not on the team that acquired them. Carry on Johnson. Yes, this was earlier in the offseason, but still jogged my memory as someone that really had a steep fall as a player and injuries have really just uh, ravaged. I don't think there's a better word than that. They've ravaged a career that really looked promising when he came into the league. And the last guy that really stuck out to me, Antonio Gandy-Golden from uh, Washington. When he came out, I thought he would easily make an impact on a uh, Washington football team that didn't have a lot of receiver depth. But with that team now having a lot better receiver depth, he just frankly didn't have a role. I think he'll catch on somewhere. But those are just some guys that stuck out to me that have been released already. Tossing it to both of you guys, is there any other cuts that stood out to you so far across the NFL? I'm going to slightly change it up for a moment because I'm not going to go for a cut. I'm going to go for a guy who made the roster. I would like to talk about the um, tight end that made the roster of the Washington football team named Samus Reyes. Do either of you happen to know a little bit about his story? Samus Reyes is a um, Chilean-born NFL um, player who went to college to play basketball and then decided to walk on and try and play football. He had played no more than two weeks of football in his life before being signed for Washington. And he's now being seen to make the roster as their third tight end and is being seen as the best blocker they have out of the tight end position for Washington. I think it's really cool for one of those guys to just, you know, kind of switch sports who'd never played it. He was a part of the NFL's pathway player program, which takes players from other countries and tries to bring them to the NFL. I like seeing players from other countries get into the game because it means the sport is being expanded in other places. And I think we could be seeing not a absolute boom of foreign players starting to play in the NFL, but I think we could see more players from other countries start popping up. Yeah, uh, going with that as well. I'm also going to take a guy who made the roster. It's also very biased, but punter, Presley Harvin the third, six foot, 263 pounds back there, catching snaps and booting them. Dude's got a cannon for a leg. Can't wait to see it. So does that mean Jordan Barry's a free agent? Yes, he is gone. Wow. Thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah, very, very interesting end to the offseason and I'm sure there's going to be other cuts and releases and there's anything major that breaks after this episode we'll be sure to bring it to you on a quick live reaction from either one of us so stay tuned for that but this brings us to the end of another great episode of across the pylon thank you guys for listening uh make sure to follow us on our social media pages like I said at the top of the episode, we're going to be ramping that up. So stay tuned to Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and eventually YouTube, but that'll be at a later date. Also, listen to us to wherever podcasts can be found. It means Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever. And going to plug something we've been doing for a little bit, Daily Trivia. It's been something fun that we've started on the TikTok page. Make sure to check that out. If you want to enhance your football knowledge, whether it'll be important stuff or stuff like who was the first 
guy ever drafted in the NFL and other pointless stuff like that. Just stay tuned to that because it's fun. It's cool. You learn stuff. Learning stuff is cool. So with that, for myself, Austin Kane and Zach Maddock, thank you guys for joining us on another great episode. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.